0: the preaching of the cross without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day we will very very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation so that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven what would you say if you answer that and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved one's the only proper answers in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. What an immense, I can't. I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him. How did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You'd never got baptized. You never. You didn't know a thing about church membership. And and yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because I, I don't know. Well, you know, what did excuse me, let me get my supervisor, They go get the supervisor Ranger. So, we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are, are you, are you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> Guys, guy said, I've never heard of him in my life. And, and what about, I, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guys. just theory. And eventually in frustration he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. <laughs> now, now that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy, while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me. And as soon as you go there it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul Is counted free for God that just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. That's why Luther said most of your Christian life is outside of you, in this sense that we know that we're not saved by good works, we're not saved (laughs) as a result of our professions, but we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved.
1: Amen. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there is a black book in the pew in front of you, and that is our gift to you as a church. As we study this, we're going to see that we cannot earn God's favor through legalism, because the gospel is free and free. Right now we are in soccer season. If you don't know, we have about six teams from uh, Cliff, Gila, Buckhorn, and we're able to go into Silver Sports System and we're able to play soccer. we have also talked a little bit uh, with the Little League director here in Cliff, and uh, I've had the same conversation in, in both with soccer and with baseball. And the question is, why do we give a trophy to every single person at the end of the season, like if you didn't come in first, second or third, let me just tell you, you don't deserve a trophy. OK, but there's this crazy idea called a participation trophy. And the fact that you just were able to participate in the game of soccer and participate in the game of baseball, you are somehow given a trophy. Well, uh, you know, us men and husbands, we sometimes put our foot in our mouth, right? Amen or on me. Um, And so what I did about a year into my marriage is I went up to Amanda, we were on this very romantic date, and I just looked at her in her eyes and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, I don't deserve her, there's nothing that I could do to, to possibly tell her how much I love her, and so I stuck my foot in my mouth and I said, you are like my participation trophy wife. (laughs) <laughs> now i still till this day don't see anything wrong with that but you as ladies are wiser than myself and my wife uh, my wife is wiser than i and and that seems offensive i don't mean it to be offensive by any account but as we look at the doctrine of salvation We get a participation trophy. If we just participate in what Jesus did on the cross, there's nothing else. We don't have to win them out of games. We don't have to do all this legalistic work. No, the free gift of salvation is free. And so as we look and we study God's word over the next few weeks in Galatians, my prayer is that I would just be a spiritual cupid to you. And that you would fall more in love with Jesus than you are right now. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, that you would fall in love with Jesus. And I would just get out of the way. And you wouldn't even see me. You would just see Jesus. You would just see the beautiful scripture of the Lord. Because when we fall in love with Jesus, then that generates... An attitude and a heartfelt service, a need to serve the Lord. Hey, I love the Lord so much that I just want to spend time in his scripture. Hey, I love the Lord so much that I want to serve the local church. And if we can be frank with one another, sometimes churches and pastors, they just get it mixed and put upside down and and we come in and we expect people to be able to do X, Y, Z and hey, you got to do one, two, three in order to uh, spend eternity with Jesus. And that's we don't see that anywhere in Scripture. We see how we have an eternity with God himself is through the free gift of salvation that Jesus offers us. Paul's writing to a city called Galatia to tell you where it is. Geographically, it's a Roman province in modern day Turkey. And Paul would go and he would plant these different churches and he would move from church to church. And as he's writing these letters that we see time and time again in the New Testament, normally he starts off the letter... And he affirms the church. He says, man, whenever I think of you, I praise God for you. He says, man, this local body, man, I've heard of your faith and how much you love God all the way over here. But he doesn't do that to the church of Galatia. He's writing to the church of Galatia and he calls out The most important thing, the doctrine of salvation. And so I'm not a scholar. I'm not perfect. I'm just going to give you a definition for the doctrine of salvation. In my own words, the gospel is fundamentally incapable and incompatible with anything added to it. Let's pray and we'll study God's word together. Father, we praise you for your holy scripture. Father, we praise you for the opportunity that it is to come and worship with you. And I praise you for Jane and for Aubrey just leading us in that this morning. Father, may we not get distracted by who's on stage or who's preaching or who's singing or who's playing guitar. But Father, may we just focus on you. Father, may we sing praises to you alone. Because, Father, our flesh wants to get so distracted. And we think that somehow we have to be perfect. But, Father, the whole point of you dying on the cross is that we are not perfect. And so, Father, we come to you humbly this morning. And we just ask that you would open up our hearts to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Paul. An apostle, not from man, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Legalism is going to be defined here. In fact, um, Paul is writing to a group of people that... He planted the church. He knows the people very well. He's left to go on to another mission. This is familiar in Paul's ministry. And, and what happened is there are influential people in the church, people that tithe really well, big business people, politicians, even inside the church. And what they're doing is they're saying, hey, no, we have to go back to the Mosaic law. And you're like, Nathan, what's the Mosaic law? The Mosaic law is the law of Moses. The law of Moses that Jewish faith would have adhered to. And so now they've been called by God into his grace. They've accepted the free gift of salvation. And what they're doing is they're putting on the other people that have yet to experience this this works-based religion. Say, hey, no, no, you, you can't eat that meat. No, 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 you've got to dress a certain way. No, you've got to clean up your life before you come to church. And Paul says, absolutely not. The Oxford American Dictionary defines the word legalism as this. Theological dependence on moral law rather than a personal religious faith. Stresses obedience apart from faith. And in doing so, you produce legalism. My prayer is, as your pastor, that we would always go to the word of God and the word of God alone. That you would not listen to my ideas That you would not listen or be impressed with my creativity, but you would fall in love with the word of God. You, You would be surprised how many pastors would gather together and have a theological conversation on their traditions or their heritage or whatever. And they don't actually open up the word of God. And say, no, in in this verse, this is where we're getting this theological thing. Let me just tell you that from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible's not going to contradict itself. We can interpret it poorly. And so there's this big word called hermeneutics, and we're discussing this within the discipleship committee of our church. What is hermeneutics? How do we study the Bible? Because how we study the Bible matters. And so my prayer is that myself and our Sunday school teachers and the leaders throughout our congregation and even you at home, that when there is a spiritual question, you wouldn't go off of what you always believed or what you always heard as they're doing here in verses one and two. No, but we would go to the Holy Scripture and we would let the Holy Scripture, check this out, change our theology. Say, God, I'm so in love with you. And because the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, this word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Now we have this love letter that God has written to us to tell him about himself. And let me tell you that we don't have everything correct. In fact, in Ephesians, we'll be told that, hey, there's this big mystery called Christianity, called the faith, called following Jesus. Even the angels don't have everything figured out. I was having a conversation with someone this week and they're like, well, what about revelations? Pastor, I said, you better be careful if a pastor ever tells you that they have revelation all figured out. You better be careful because we don't know what we don't know about the Lord of God. Could you just imagine sitting at the feet of God and him him just explain all these mysteries to us? That's the kind of love we want to fall in love with. That's the person who is deserving of our love. Maybe this word apostle that we see in verse 1 is new to you. And so I want to give us two different definitions of the word apostle. And one of them right away, you guys are going to be like, I can't believe he said that. Okay, let me tell you, all of you are apostles. Now, gas go... All of you are apostles because, in the true sense of the word, you guys are being sent out by the local church. When we say amen at the end of service, the local church is sending you guys out to be apostles to tell the world about the Holy Scriptures, okay? The true sense of the word is being sent out. And so, what Paul's saying here is he's not being sent out by a local church. If our church sends missionaries to Belize, we're sending missionaries to. Believes to be apostles from man. Okay, what Paul's saying here, he's talking about a different type of apostleship. He's saying, I didn't come from the local church. I didn't come from Hilo Valley. I didn't come from the search committee. I didn't come from any of that. I came from God. And so the other definition of apostle, there's actually only 14 men throughout God's Holy Scripture that would meet this qualification. There's 12 disciples that we would be familiar with. okay. Minus one disciple who is Judas, and so Judas is no longer in uh, apostleship. And then in Acts chapter 1, specifically verse 26, the church comes together. Peter is pastoring this church, the first Christian church, the universal church, and he says this. He, He says, hey, congregation, we need to elect another individual to serve as an apostle. And so he elects Matthias. To serve as an apostle, the qualifications for a biblical apostle would be this, that they witnessed the ministry of Jesus. Okay, on earth, they witnessed the ministry of Jesus. And then whether historically or they were presently there at the crucifixion of God himself, and then now they have seen the resurrected Christ. And so the reason why there's only 14 individuals, and I've mentioned 13, Paul's saying here, and we'll see his testimony here in the coming weeks, he says, I'm one of those apostles. I'm not sent by man, but I am sent by God himself. And so we can trust that this isn't Paul's opinion, this isn't Nathan's opinion, this isn't a church's opinion. No, this is holy doctrine of salvation that God has given to Paul, he has seen him, and so Paul has the unique authority and privilege to correct the theology in this church. Again, not from man, but from God. He says, not from man, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. It's also worth noting that the original readers would have separated God and Jesus. Remember, if they're going back to the Mosaic Law, the Law of Moses, they would go back and they'd say, "Oh no, listen, uh, we got to follow these six hundred and thirty-something different laws because that's what God told us to do." And they'd separate Jesus. And so, what Paul's saying here? Yeah, God not only did He send me, but God rose His Son Jesus Christ from the dead. And so he's saying that there is mutual respect between God, the father and God, the son. He's saying it is God, the father who raised him from the dead. The power of God raised Jesus from the dead. And then in verse two, we see that God raises up Christians with him. And so our hope, our eternal salvation is in this right here. And all the brothers who are with me. He says, not only did he raise Jesus from the dead, but one day we have this promise as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that one day our hope will be we are going to be raised from the dead as well. From the flesh, but then also. To spend eternity with Christ Himself. And so, and all His brothers who are with me. And then He says to the churches of Galatia, He doesn't call out one specific church. He's writing to a specific church to then distribute the letter because the influential people in the church that are trying to bring back grace plus works equals salvation, He says, No, I need you to share this with every church around you that it's grace plus nothing. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's We, the the whole point of the law, the whole point of the Old Testament, the whole point of it is we can't follow it. We can't follow God's standard of holiness. And so the law is to to say, hey, listen, uh, Nathan, you have a, a problem called sin, and Jesus tells us good news, which would be translated gospel. He says the good news is there's this person who is Jesus, who is willing to reconcile your relationship with God. Listen, this morning, let me tell you that your relationship is completely destroyed with God and the wrath of God will be upon us. But what happens? Jesus loves us so much. He steps in the middle. He steps in the middle and he says, hey, Because I'm in the middle, if you put your hope in me, if you put your faith in me, you have been called by God. God did the impossible with God the Son by raising him from the dead. And he wants to do the impossible with and through you. I'm going to say that again. God did the impossible with God the Son and wants to do the impossible with and through you. You. Oh, listen, uh, I, that's just not for me. I can't do that. It's impossible. The mission that God has for us to save us is impossible. But he does the impossible with God the Son, and he does it impossible with us bringing a sinful man like Nathan to pastor a church in Gila, New Mexico. And he says, Man, if you're willing to fall in love with this guy named Jesus, if you're willing to dedicate your life towards this man named Jesus, then God is willing to do impossible things through you. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, if you can earn your salvation, then you can lose it. But if you can't earn it, then you cannot lose it. If someone were to give you a gift, it is a gift. You can't buy it. We cannot pay the price for the gift that has been given to us, that has been extended to us. In verse 3, Paul says something that he says to a lot of churches. And he says, hey, man, I know that you're trying to find Jesus. You're trying to find hope. You're trying to find peace. You're trying to find grace and so many different things and And Paul just goes to the church, frankly, and he says, would you find it in Jesus this morning? Would you find your grace in Jesus? Would you find hope and peace in Jesus? Grace to you and glory to God. Listen, if you are falling in love with King Jesus, then let me just tell you that Jesus is worthy of our honor and our respect. He is worthy. He is worthy of your honor and your praise. He is worth whatever it's going to cost you to follow him. The overwhelming peace of God is from God and through Jesus. In verse 4 we see that Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from evil. Man, to deliver us. To deliver us from the evil of ourselves, to deliver us from the evil of our culture, to, de- to deliver us from the evil of our different temptations. God doesn't just save us, but He continues to save us. It's this big word called sanctification, becoming more and more like a saint, to becoming more and more like Christ, to becoming more and more holy. And so he delivers us from these temptations. When we start a relationship with Jesus, not based on works and man-made religion, but based on the grace of God, then what happens is he begins to work in us. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of us as a down payment. Check this out, for our inheritance one day that we will receive. And then in verse four, he says, according to the will of God. There's this church word we use sometimes called testimony. But if I could just um, define it a little easier for you, it's your story. Your story of how you were dead and now you're alive. And all of our testimonies are a little bit different. All of our stories are a little bit different. But I love this because God's word says in chapter 4 that my testimony is according to the will of God. Of a perfect God, of a perfect Father. And so the, the pain that I struggle with, the temptations that I struggle with, my pride that I struggle with, I have been delivered from these things. And because it's according to the will of God, it's not for my benefit. We have to go through a mess. We do. We're talking about in our Sunday school, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus, he has overcome the world. We have a testimony that is worth sharing, how we were once dead in our sins and our trespasses, how we came to found the love of God that overwhelms us, and now the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us is consuming us. Deliverance from the love of everything else to the love of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. Well, why does God make me go through this? Why do I have to struggle in this particular season of my life? Why? 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 It's not for my benefit. It's for His benefit. Your testimony is not for your benefit. Your story, the hardships, the pain that you go through is not for your benefit, but it is for Christ's benefit. Because verse 5 tells us, To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Everything is for His glory. Everything, even sin, pain, death, sickness, is for His glory. Forever is a long time, right church? He says, forever and ever for his glory and by his grace. Because by his grace, we are free from the sin of this world. And by his grace, we are free to share his word, his gospel, his good news, the path of salvation with this world. So let me ask you, Hila Valley, where is your focus of glory? Are you constantly concerned about what other people think of you or don't think of you? Are you always trying to get man's applause? Listen, we need to mourn with one another when we have hardships. But my prayer is that our hardships draw us to a need for relationship with Jesus. If not, then what's the point? What's the point if we cannot depend on Jesus? Where is our focus of glory? Maybe someone just needs to be said, and I need to say this daily is Alabaster bag, the pastor that was preaching a little insert this morning, said, we need to preach... <coughs> The message of the cross to ourself daily. Listen, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. God's not asking me to explain some doctrine or some theology to the community. He's asking us just to share his love and his grace. Because frankly, a lot of people in our culture, they have it all mixed up. They have it mixed up where, oh, listen, I can't go to church yet because I don't have a nice button-up shirt. Hey, listen, I can't go to church because, listen, I was at a party last night. Hey, listen, I can't go to church because fill in the blank. And let me just also say that if it's all for His glory, not for our glory, then that also means that it's not for our church's glory. But it's for the kingdom of God increasing. He says amen, and amen actually is not an English word, it's a Greek word that is translated so be it. And so may God get the glory this morning and tomorrow and the next day and forever and ever. And Paul closes in verse five and he says so be it. I'm gonna ask our band to come forward this morning. Are you willing to stop attempting to earn your salvation Because frankly you can't and accept the free gift that God offers. May we be not a church that's focused on the do's and the don'ts of religion. But may we have a group of individuals that fall so in love with Jesus that that produces good works as James says. So I'll ask you the same question that Pastor Alabaster Begg asked. How will you stand before God in a right relationship with him? If it's, but I, but I, it's wrong. It's because of what He has done for us. We cannot earn our salvation, ladies and gentlemen. Let's stand and we will read Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 together. And again, please be an individual who takes this back into our community, who would share this invite card with our community. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Altogether, we know that a person is not justified by the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we
0: also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the of the law because then works in the law the then let's say